Everyone and welcome to Ladies Night, the official podcast of US Chess Women. I'm your host Jennifer Shahadi and you're listening to the artist Huga of hugamusica.com and that is a song that certainly captured my heart. Oh Capablanca. His bishop was small. Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast through shares and reviews and Apple Live. If you want to get more involved in all we do at US Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax-deductible donation of any size to our US Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions. Hello, everyone. I'm super excited today to welcome to Ladies Night FIDE Master Yosha Iglesias. She is from France. She's one of my favorite Twitter followers. She does so many things in chess. She's a chess coach. She composes chess problems. She's a YouTuber in both French and English. So if you're trying to work on your French, that's a great way to watch them both um, or simultaneously. She's also a content producer and community manager at Chess24. And she's among the top 10 women players in France. I'm very excited to have you on today, Yosha. This is so exciting for me. Thank you so much, Jen. Very excited to be here. Very grateful to you also. You and I share a passion for chess problems and studies. I mean, a lot of chess players do, but I would really say that for me, that kind of like hooked me into the game. What role did chess problems and studies play in your chess career? It started when I was young. Uh, one of my favorite books uh, back then, uh, one of my only books back then, was uh, Sigbert Tarash, Practical Chess Treaty, or I don't know the English title, a book by Tarash. And it was full of exercises. But I did not uh, only solve them. I, I tried to, um, to, to make them better, more beautiful, maybe. Uh, like, for instance, if the, I saw some extra useless pieces in the position. It kind of hurt me. Like, why? Why is there a pawn, a stupid pawn on A7, which doesn't do anything for the beauty of the position? And it, it struck me because uh, it wasn't uh, exercise from games. I mean, in, in real games, uh, even in the most beautiful position combinations, you sometimes have useless pieces. But in exercises, in compositions, why? And so I tried to compose better uh, version of uh, of these problems. So it wasn't composition per se, but it was more fun exercise that I did by myself when I was a kid. After I discovered that uh, there was this wonderful, wonderful world of chess composition, chess problems, and chess, chess studies. So yeah, I started just like that, uh, shuffling some pieces around uh, from positions from that, that book. And now, yeah, I've composed some, some pretty decent studies and problems. I just finished one that you composed, the, uh, the, the most difficult maiden one. Uh, yeah. 
I did this mate in one move, uh, which is uh, two, two of them actually, which are kind of uh, fun and difficult, but uh, also some longer uh, mates, first mates, and uh, also most most of my compositions are chess studies. Why to play on win or why to play on draw. I've composed a few hundreds of them. Beautiful. I love that. And the one that I mentioned, the most difficult maiden one, that's always philosophically interesting, even to non-chess players. In fact, sometimes when I give presentations to like uh, groups that have some chess players and some that aren't, um, I show the the famous problem um, that is been in many, many books, which is also a difficult maiden one. I I, I think yours is more aesthetic, though, I will say. Thank you. Yeah, I I love, I'm not gonna, I don't want to give away the answer. But yours is very, very beautiful. Um, But that one is also really nice because it's very difficult. And I think that it's an eye-opener to people that a maiden one can be difficult. For me, chess composition is all about um, giving uh, emotions to to the solver. And with this simple mate in one, I mean, it's just a mate in one, you just have to find one move. You will feel some, some, I don't know, overconfidence at the beginning. Like, okay, come on. I'm a chess player. Of course I can solve it in, in a few seconds. And then you start adopting uh, yourself and then, uh, you will see the solution and you will be in awe or maybe not awe, but uh, like you will be amazed by, uh, by the solution. And it will also maybe make, make you laugh. You can really feel something uh, with a, a simple chess position, which is, I think, kind of amazing. It's also why why do, uh, why we play. I mean, at, at least why I play chess to to feel something. And chess composition for me is one way to. It's like telling a good story. If your story, uh, if your listener doesn't feel anything, then it's a bad story. And chess composition for me is the same. This is one thing I love: trying to understand the best I can one complex problem and then explaining in the simplest term to other people. This is what uh, I think I, I'm quite good at it and uh, I enjoy, enjoy doing this. Understanding one thing very, very difficult and really to understand perfectly well something to, to be able to explain it uh, very easily in simple terms. So this is what I love doing. Yeah. And those mates in one that are difficult or even mates in two that are difficult, I think one of the feelings you get is immense frustration, but then there's the fact that when the frustration is released, you feel all the, the those positive um, emotions that have been built up. Yeah, sure. This eureka moment is one of the best things in life when you struggle. Actually, there is maybe a, power, a parallel for me with my um, understanding of my gender identity. It was maybe the most powerful eureka moment. We are chess players and chess uh, solvers of studies, we, we have this uh, very often in our life. We struggle, we struggle, and we doubt ourselves, and we, we understand there is something wrong, and we imagine all kinds of crazy stuff, and then the solution uh, strikes us. And it's so simple now, now that we understand it. It's, it seems very simple, and we are wondering, how is that possible that uh, we didn't understand it before? And, and you feel that about your, about your gender identity? The first time, I mean, for me, my, my whole life, it, it sounds maybe a bit cliche, but my whole life, I understand that uh, I wasn't a normal boy as I was um, taught. But 
when the first time I was very old, the first time I managed to say, to pronounce out loud, I am a transgender woman, it was this uh, very similar feeling of eureka moment of, um, okay, now I understand and now it all makes sense. Yeah, it was very powerful and uh, empowering also and amazing, overwhelming emotion. I've been struggling to understand my identity since when I was 11. I remember uh, I thought that I was a boy and I thought that uh, I was a normal boy, that every other boy was like me. And I remember thinking that every boy like me regretted uh, not to be a girl, not being a girl. And I remember one crazy conversation uh, with a friend. I was like, oh, they are so lucky. Who are lucky? Girls. I mean, don't you want to be a girl? Don't you regret not being a girl? And he was like, no, what are you talking about? So I was confused. But it's objectively better to be a girl. I mean, don't you regret it? If you could choose, you, 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 you would choose to be a girl. Sure, yeah? And he was like, no, what are you talking about? And he was as surprised as I was. I thought everyone was like me. But of course, back then, I didn't know the word trans. And, and even later, when, I, when I, I knew trans people existed, I thought that being trans was not about being, but about doing. So I wondered, do I want to transition? And it was a question for me, even when I was a teenager. I've asked myself this question many, many times. And I was close, I think, to, to transition back then, but I was afraid. And for me, transitioning meant quitting chess, meant quitting my family, losing many of my friends, if not all. So I was scared. And um, because I didn't want to transition, I thought it means I'm not a transgender woman. So it's only only recently, actually, I understand, okay, but being a woman is not a, a matter of doing, it's about a matter of being, and I am a woman, I'm a trans woman. So I'm getting a bit emotional there. Well, it's very beautifully described that uh, this distinction between um, doing and being is really powerful. A lot of people will learn from understanding that you had that eureka moment. How did you announce this? Because you mentioned it was very powerful the first time that you said out loud, I am a trans woman or I am a woman. Actually, it was in two times. Uh, first time when I, was, uh, when I could say that Okay, I'm not a cisgender man. I'm not a man. It was the first step, but it only took me a couple of weeks from this to, okay, I can now say uh, 100% I'm a transgender woman. It was mainly difficult for me to express it. I remember when I was 18, 18, 19, 20, I felt I had said everything similar to I'm a trans woman, paraphrases like, I wish uh, I were a woman or to one, to one girl, one, uh, one friend of mine, you are the woman I want to be. Uh, if I could choose, I would transform myself uh, into a woman. If I had a magic wand, uh, I would transform myself into a woman and so on and so on. But I didn't have the, the courage or, or the understanding of saying I'm a trans woman. So the first time I could say it, it felt just amazing. Like imagine solving the most difficult chess studies ever. And uh, after struggling for years, for years and years of, because my life made no sense. I mean, 
related to my uh, relations, lovers, and everything. Uh, it made no sense if we considered that I was a boy. And as soon as I could say, I'm a trans woman, everything made sense. It was crystal clear, and um, yeah, it was the biggest eureka moment and euphoric moment. Not everyone is the same, of course. What applies uh, to me does, doesn't necessarily apply to other women. But for me, it was most uh, uh, euphoric and most powerful moment uh, of my life, I think. And uh, the first time or the second time? Because you mentioned that there was this like, uh, the, the yeah, first time you said it was to who? To my best friend. I mean, I have the best friend ever, uh, Mathilde Conjou, who is a chess player also. Also a Fide master and, um, and woman international master. We are best friends for 15 years, maybe. So she, she knew everything about me and uh, every fa- f- fantasy, every doubt, every question. And we talked about gender a lot. Yeah, it was through her that I first say, after many years of talking about gender, that, okay, I'm not a boy. This is, for, this is a fight. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, I'm a trans woman. It sounds like you have many supportive friends. I have the best, the best friends. Most of my uh, best friends are, are women chess players, French women chess players. And they are all very supportive. And from the beginning, as soon as I came out, they reacted with uh, understanding, love, and uh, compassion, empathy. Everything just perfect. Uh, never misgendered me after that. I'm so lucky and grateful to, uh, to them. And your best friend, when you came out to her, what was her first reaction? The first was a bit of surprise and then, oh my, but yeah, of course, it makes so much sense. And then how could we miss that? It's funny because in chess, it's, it's often like this too. Yeah, You struggle to find a difficult uh, solution and then there is this simple move, which did not cross your mind at all. And now that you see it, you, you start wondering, but are we so stupid that we d- didn't see it uh, before? I'm probably very happy for you as well. Of course, of course she was. And I'm happier than ever so since my transition. So, of course, my friends and loved, loved ones are happy for me. You mentioned this, uh, this beautiful metaphor of like when you solve a chess position. And, you know, it's funny because I was looking at the chess position you composed with, with the answer. And I thought that I accidentally looked at the solution and I was so annoyed. Because <laughs> if, you, if you accidentally look at the solution, it ruins everything, right? Because then something that seems... You never know, like this kind of understanding of how obvious something was is very difficult to gauge. That's why it's so dangerous to like look at chess with computer analysis because things seem obvious, but they weren't really. Yeah, yeah. And it kills the magic. You do have some writing on your website about a message to other um, women or, or men who are struggling with their gender identity. Really some beautiful writing that you have about um, before you transitioned and how you kind of came to that eureka moment. It says what it feels like for a pre-transition girl in the chess world. That's the translation. Yeah, because I I wanted to share this story because for many people, non-LGBTQ plus people, they believe that you start being a trans woman after you came out, or maybe even after you 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 get your new ID or whatever. But for me, it's uh, retrospectively, I can say that uh, I've always been a transgender girl, and I experienced trans transphobia even before I came out, like because I was struggling with my identity. Uh, I acted 
uh, already before I came out like um, like a girl. And of course, I had to, uh, unfortunately, to face transphobia and homophobia and misogyny, which are for me all the same the same color, slightly different shades of the same color of uh, of hate, of stupidity, of uh, patriarchy. I wanted to to tell to other people that um, it's difficult life as a pre-transition girl, uh, especially in the chess world, uh, is difficult. And we should do by we, I mean other chess players and also the institutions, the federations should do the the best to to try to include them because life is already difficult for for trans people and LGBTQ people outside the chess world. Uh, if we cannot just um, play chess, play, uh, do our passion with a sense of security of being accepted as we are, then there's something wrong. And currently, you are among a, the top 10 female players in France, but um, not invited to play in the French Women's Championship. Yeah. Because they, they don't um, include trans players yet. I hope that's like you did uh, in, the, in the USA. You have this uh, inclusive policy, which I think is, is a, a model for every other federation, how to, to include tra- trans women. But in France, there is no no rules, uh, no regulations, and the law is unclear because there is nothing really. So I've looked at everything in the French law, in the federal regulations, federal regulations, in the regulations of the French Federation of the International uh, Olympic Committee. Also, I've looked at everything, and there is nothing forbidding trans women to to play chess as women. But um, the federation is kind of cautious, and I don't know. They, they want to take that time, make sure with the Ministry of Sports that everything is okay before they they say basically trans women are women. So um, it's a bit regretful, not only for me because obviously uh, I would have been happy to and honored to to play in the French Championship. But also for the other trans women and especially the the youngest ones, because the French Federation basically is saying that trans women are not women yet. So um, it can be insulting and difficult to hear for trans women. I think. So what is the rule? Do you have to like show your birth certificate? What if it? What if you had never played chess before and you're a trans woman and you're signing up for the first time? Would that be okay then? Yeah. Yeah, so this is a strange thing. So basically, uh, no one in the uh, French Federation has to show their ID. Uh-huh. If I were a non-chess player and I want to register for the, for the first time, I would just declare I'm a woman and they would be like, okay, sure, you can play chess as a woman. But because they know me, they know I'm I'm trans. And so for now, there are rules, which is non, non-written, of course, but it is a rule that they decided to apply, even though it's not in the law. It's uh, trans women uh, have to show their ideas. And I don't want to. And um, so I told them, oh, okay, for me, I'm a, I'm a woman. I was before getting my new ID and I will be after. So I just want to to be considered like any other woman. And also I want uh, the other women who cannot change their ID because, for instance, it's forbidden in France to change your ID before 18. 
So basically, I want uh, every woman, trans uh, or not, uh, to be to be considered the same. This is what I'm fighting against. And you put it very um, well. Again, this is Google translation, so do yeah. let me know if it's um, it's incorrect. But in your article um, about why there should be an inclusive trans policy in the French Federation, you end by saying that if women and men have equal abilities for the game of chess, the reason for the female category is justified by the numerous additional difficulties and discriminations that the players undergo because of gender. And believe me, trans players are no more spared than other players. I feel like that's a really good argument that um, maybe people haven't even thought about when they think about why there are women's events. And then, of course, if that's the explanation, it makes uh, absolute sense that gender minorities, trans players be included. You know, this better than uh, any other person in the world, probably. But uh, when you speak to especially a feminist person who is not playing chess and you say, so we have this uh, women-only event, and they should be, they should be shocked. Like, no, it's not possible because we have the, the same capabilities, abilities to play chess. And so uh, it's, it's abnormal. But then you, you explain to them, yeah, but for a girl in the chess world, first of all, you have to, to be lucky because you, are, you have to, uh, you need parents that will teach you chess. And then you, de- you need uh, those parents to send you to the chess club, which is rare, still rare, even after the Queen's Gambit. So you, you need some luck. And then you, you enter the chess club for the first time. And what you see is boys, only boys. 95%, 90%, it depends which countries you are. But you will see mostly boys. So it will be harder for you to connect. And your teacher will be, uh, will be a man. So he will teach you games from uh, great uh, men of the past, and this is even before you reach puberty, by which you become like a sexual object among uh, among men in open tournaments, and it will be uh, harder for you uh, from this moment because, well, you are a young young woman, young uh, young girl in a world full of men looking at you strangely, and you feel uncomfortable. So, of course, it's much much harder for a girl to reach the same level as a man. Uh, you need more more passion uh, for chess. You need more luck. You need more abnegation. You more work. It's just harder every tournament. And I, I like to say that it's the same, of course, for for trans women. Basically, uh, like before a tournament, almost every woman will not only be stressed by the chess part, uh, like any other man, but will be stressed by what clothes uh, we will choose? How feminine uh, do do we want to appear? Because if we appear not feminine enough, we will be judged. If we appear too too suggestive, we will be judged also. And this extra stress, men don't have this. So of course, it's much more difficult. I'm basically friends with every woman French uh, chess players, and all of them uh, they have uh, this uh, characteristic, this trait. Uh, some of them uh, like to attack the king. Some of them like positional chess. But all of them uh, are the most fighting uh, players I know. I remember one game of my, my best friend, Pauline Guichard. Uh, we lived together as uh, flatmates for like seven years. And one game, she played against a grandmaster. So uh, he was a, a bit stronger than her. And she was defending for the world game. For five hours and maybe 60 moves, she was on the defensive side, uh, hoping just to draw so as, uh, at some point. 
that she managed not only to equalize after uh, her opponent uh, made a mistake, but to get a slightly better position, just also, also slightly better. But here, everyone I know, except a few women, uh, would just offer a draw because your opponent is better than you. It's, uh, he's a grandmaster, you are not, uh, at least not yet. And um, yeah, you have been suffering for five hours. So, okay, you are just happy to draw, offer a draw, he will accept and go home happy. No, she did not. She, she, she kept on fighting to win the game. So a seven hours fight, she finally won the game. I was so emotional, so moved by this. For me, it's, it was one of the most heroic moments. I think only a woman can do this. And I truly mean it. Uh, oh, very, very few men have this fighting spirit. And I think the, uh, this has to do with uh, what we call survivor's bias. Women in chess who are not combative, they just, they cannot handle the, the misogyny in chess. By age 20, the women will keep on playing as the, most, the best fighters. Yes. It's harder for women and trans women, cis women, it's the same. It's just harder for us. Absolutely. And I, I love what you say about survivorship bias, because I think that whether it's chess or poker, sometimes there's too much focus on the people who have continued And, you know, they're, they're often so amazing and strong and, uh, usually have some good support networks, either friends or family. And and that's fantastic. Many, many qualities that make them deserve the spotlight, but of course not everybody has that. So it's like, sometimes it like kind of, uh, obscures the fact that there's also people being left behind who would get a lot out of playing these games. In my generation, the girls were before age. 13 maybe, uh, were better than the boys in, in France. We had many girls uh, waited 2100, 2200 even before, before 12. But many of them, they just uh, quit chess when they reach uh, 12, 13, which is the age of puberty. And it's a very difficult age for many, many girls in chess. We tend to forget about them, thinking maybe they, they were not that strong or not that uh, passionate about chess. But we forget that um, maybe just because of misogyny that, uh, that they quit. When you look at it this way, you understand that it's much harder just justify. It, it's, it's fair. It's, it's not even compensation. It's an attempt at compensation. Absolutely. And in the U.S., um, Chess Federation, I, the number of girls have gone up since we've added a lot of tournaments like the All-Girls Nationals, the uh, Ruth Herring Tournament of Champions, Susan Polgar has a girls tournament. So it definitely has helped. How is the French Women's Chess Championship structured? Is it like a, a round-robin, invitational, or an open? It's a new thing. Uh, for many years, it's been a, a round-robin, and now it's uh, by elimination. We have 16 women and uh, we start with uh, eighth of final and then quarter final and so on. So, but uh, it will be the, the first time. And the, the US events, uh, it's open, but we have this um, open section and uh, women only section, uh, girls, girls only section. But I think next year uh, there will be only one open per age with uh, the best girl uh, winning the title. For me, personally, I think it's the best because then girls don't have to choose. For instance, nowadays I'm amazed. I admire uh, girls, young girls who choose to to play the open category, which is uh, at the same time uh, as the girls category. 
So they try and sometimes manage to to win the 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 title uh, among among the boys, but they cannot win the the girls' title. So so it's a very brave decision uh, that I think they should not make. The, uh, I mean, by which I mean uh, we should should not give them this difficult choice of playing the the most interesting category or playing the category in which they will probably win a title. I think it's just better to have um, one open with a title for the first girl. I agree. I mean, I think it's good for boys too to be in a tournament yeah. with girls. Like that's that's the other thing. I mean, I love having um, more girls in chess and I think they can get so many benefits out of it. But I also think that it's really good for boys that the uh, chess culture becomes more diverse. They do it in uh, in Spain for, for a few years and yeah, last year, the under-16 champion is a girl, so she won the open section, and she had won already uh, under-14, so two years ago, I think, if I'm not mistaken. In Paris, uh, we did this for two years now, and so the, the US uh, Paris Championship is, uh, is a mixed event with the first girl winning uh, her prize in, in the girls uh, as a girl. The first time we did this, uh, we had seven categories of age. Uh, three of them were won by girls. We would not have played in the open section if uh, if uh, segregated, uh, if it was segregated. So, yeah, I think it's just good for girls to to see that they can compete and also because sometimes it's it's basically like in school if if we, uh, if you say to a boy, okay, you need this grade. Uh, and to a girl, okay, because you're a girl, you need just this grade. Of course, they will be less strong because you have to work less to win the same prize. So I think it's good to go towards diversity, but we should definitely keep women prizes and girls prizes and also keep some uh, girls, uh, girls only events and women only events because otherwise many of them would not be playing. You mentioned the word non-mixity and I was like, oh, yeah. that's... That's, is that like a French French word? Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded good. And, it, you know, it gave me more patience. And it made me realize that what upsets me when people ask me about girls and women's events is not the question. It's the way they ask the question that yes. I feel like is often sometimes has some misogyny in it. It's like inadvertent a lot of the time. A lot of times it's well-meaning people, but it's just like when there's that like negativity towards girls and women playing chess, it's hurtful to me because yeah. it makes me cringe. But at the same time, I, and now I'm a little more patient because I realize would I really want a world which people didn't ask me about that at all? Like that would be weird too, right? Yeah, sure. yeah 100%. You have to be surprised at, at least if you don't know chess, you have to be surprised. If you're not surprised by it, then you probably have a problem. But if if with patience you listen to uh, to girls playing chess, then you will understand why uh, it's good to have these uh, events and prizes. Just a few minutes ago, uh, I talked about this fighting spirit that yeah. girls around me all have. I have not, I must say, I have not. And I never did, never had this fighting spirit. I remember the first chess tournament I played, it was championship of my region. And I... I was a stronger child, and I, but I made six out of six. And then on the last round, I, uh, I had to, to make a draw to win the tournament. And I was right. And even though I was so weak at the time, I remember the game perfectly. My opponent 
made a French defense, <laughs> of course. And I, I, I just exchange and uh, then exchange everything on the A file and make a draw. Like I was a grandmaster making a short draw. It wasn't prearranged, of course, but I was just super solid. I did not try to win. And my second tournament, I did the same. And other tournaments. In 2007, when I, when I decided to quit college and uh, attend to, uh, to chess, I won this uh, Calvia under-23 tournament, which was huge. I was maybe ranked uh, number 60 or something. And I did the same, six out of six, and then three short draws to win the tournament. And I never had this fighting spirit. I don't like competition. Maybe it's also why I turn to composition, because here I'm just alone, and I don't even send my my studies and, and problems to... Uh, uh, to magazines because there are some prizes that you can win or whatever. No, I just put them in the internet on the internet. And um, what I enjoy is composing and seeing people struggling to solve the, uh, them and then enjoying them. But I I don't want to win any prizes. I, I'm not a fighter. I don't like competition. I think also this lack of fighting spirit uh, was somehow linked uh, with my uh, gender identity because for all my life I rejected everything that uh, was masculine or perceived as masculine in my life. For instance, I never did sports just because I, I saw every other, uh, I mean, I saw other boys around me playing soccer. Uh, I mean, in France, uh, everyone is playing soccer. Uh, every young boy is playing soccer and I never did. And for me, it was like something masculine and I, I rejected it, even though it was on a subconscious level, of course. I just didn't like it. And also when boys were trying to do push-ups or working out, uh, having the big muscles, I was uh, disgusted by it and I rejected it. At the chessboard, sometimes you can see, especially men, which I think is good for them, uh, but having this very uh, masculine posture and the, they, you know, like everything. And you can see with uh, Gary Kasparov is the best at it. You know, he's such a, a monster when he's playing at the chessboard. It's uh, 100% masculinity. And this I didn't want in me. For me, it was um, something I, I wanted as far away from me as possible. And maybe it's linked with my identity. But whenever I'm playing, especially when, uh, when uh, the result doesn't matter that much, I try just to, to enjoy the game for itself and just play good moves one move at a time so I can focus on the pieces and on the position and not on my opponent not about uh, it's not uh, about as Bobby Fischer said uh, killing him killing his ego or whatever because this I refuse to do it's just about uh, solving a mathematical puzzle as you just said yes I love that and I, and it completely makes sense with your backstory why you might need to approach it in that way what other words do you have in French chess that you don't really have in English? Because you do the YouTube videos, which are fantastic. You have such passion for the game and for studies and for history of chess. Most of the things that uh, I love about chess, I feel like we have a lot of things in common about our approach. You mentioned in one of your videos, trebuchet. In chess, it's it's a, a very famous uh, song position, a trap with uh, one pawn uh, for each, for instance, White has pawn on e5, and black has pawn on e6, and both kings attacks and protects their pawns. 
So it's a Zug Zang, whoever is to move uh, loses the, uh, the game. And for some reason, in, in France, it's called Trebuchet. And I have no idea why. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's fun. This uh, international language of chess with German words like Zeknot uh, or Zug Zang, some French word. Are there any other words in French that for chess that we don't really have in English? Um, okay, in English, you can say I adjust, but I think the international way of adjusting is to say the French uh, jadoub. I remember in, in Russia, for instance, uh, they, they say jadoub, like, uh, like French uh, people do. And then I heard when you say exchange in French, it's a bit different, like exchange. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The exchange is a uh, qualité, uh, which translates normally by quality. But for some reason, you say exchange, which for us is very difficult to understand. Why? No, it's not an exchange. It's uh, you win a rook and I win a bishop. So it's not fair. It's not an exchange. But uh, you say this and we say quality, which is even stranger, I think. Yeah, I like that, though. I like quality because it's like one piece has a higher quality than the other. I think it makes more yeah. sense. Whereas like the in exchange, it's one of my pet peeves because... It's like a way to make it confusing just to the everyday person. Yeah, it's, sure. Uh, so yeah. I give you five and you give me three and uh, no. <laughs> Maybe that's the point. It's like a joke in a way because it's like, yeah, it's an exchange. It's a fair exchange, right? Like wink, wink. On your website, you have a lot of articles about, uh, well, you have a few articles about discrimination and then also about the current policies. And then also, of course, your love for studies. And also on your website is all the information about um, coaching and private lessons. So um, that's where you should go if you want to find out um, how to get private lessons from Yosha or just to enjoy her work on both her, her website and her YouTube channels. It's yoshachess.com. And then you really are one of my favorite Twitter followers because of your artistic perspective. I mean, you had a viral tweet recently about a movie that you consulted on, French movie about chess, which was really beautiful. And that's at Iglesias Yosha. Is there any other ways that people should get in touch with you or follow your work? No, no, YouTube and Twitter. It's perfect. My website, of course. Now, you, of course, are a great um, role model for everyone because until recently, you haven't been as public. But I've noticed, you know, your yeah. YouTube channel and you're doing more like banter blitz and whatnot on Chess24. So that's a, a really powerful message to um, to people as well. I wish I were before, but I was not com comfortable enough with my look, with my voice. I'm not yet comfortable at all, but uh, it's getting better and better. Yeah, for instance, uh, on social media, I never had a profile picture. Uh, it was a blank state, a blank page, uh, my profile, my Facebook Profile picture has always been a, a blank, uh, a blank uh, picture, uh, white, uh, white uh, picture because, well, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And so sometimes I did some uh, chess shows or poker shows, but I didn't want to uh, publicly appear as a man. But you actually posted a photo on Twitter of yourself reading uh, Chess Queens uh, yeah. very recently. Which was very flattering to me because uh, you look so beautiful reading it. I think you were in the chessable offices in Barcelona yeah, or something, maybe? In Barcelona, my favorite city in the world. Paris is the second one, but I've never been in the USA, so maybe uh, it will change. But yeah, I love Barcelona and people uh, at Chessable and just wonderful people. When I came out to Chess24 and Chessable, which is basically the same, everyone was perfect. 
In one day, they gendered me properly and they created all the accounts with uh, Yosha. That's beautiful to hear. That's great to hear. What message would you send to people who want to be a better ally to um, LGBTQ inclusion in chess or whatever world they're in? Any, anything that you think people who want to do good can do more of? I think it's just about empathy and uh, understanding that we are all the same. Uh, transphobia, homophobia, misogyny. It's the same, the same color, slightly different shades of the same color. Once you understand it, uh, you see that if you are fighting against uh, one, uh, one of them, you are fighting against uh, uh, every other. Can I say a personal story about my grandfather? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I still have one grandparent, my grandfather, who is 97 years old. And he has always been a conservative, going to church every every week for all, uh, all his life. But he's one of the wisest person I know. And when I came out to him, of course, he did not understand because he's a man born in 1925. So how can he? But he still loved me and still loves me as the same way because he knows I'm, I'm a human being. He knows I'm a, his uh, grandchild. He knows I need love. I need uh, compassion. I need to, to eat. I need uh, cuddles. He doesn't understand uh, my trans, uh, my transness, my transition, but he understood that uh, uh, he was modest enough not to impose his view, his religious view or whatever, and to say, okay, maybe he thinks that maybe he's wrong or maybe there's something that he doesn't understand. And he doesn't try to, to fight uh, this new thing in his life, like transness. He doesn't understand. And he acts uh, purely with uh, love and compassion. And I think it was amazing for me to see this um, very old man, uh, almost one century old, acting with uh, love and compassion to this new new thing in his life, trans woman. And he accepts you now. Yeah, 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 totally. Genders you correctly and everything. Yeah, uh, sometimes he's mistaken, but he tries to, to correct. I mean, he understands that uh, it's very important for me and uh, he doesn't judge. He, he first loves before all and then acts according to, the, to this love. And you, you don't have to understand 100% to love them or at least to respect them. Just be modest. If, if there's something strange, don't try to fight the other person. Just try to, uh, to act with kindness and love and compassion and empathy. And then you will be the best ally you, know, you can be. I think it's very difficult for a non-trans person to understand transness. Maybe even impossible, I don't know. But you don't need to understand 100% of it to be a good person towards uh, trans people. Just be modest. Be curious, kind, compassion. Yeah. That's great advice. Beautifully said. Your grandfather spirit is a beautiful way to end this. Thank you so much to Yosha Iglesias. Oh, it was amazing. I'm so happy. Ladies night, Yosha Iglesias. Um, it's been such a pleasure and such an inspiration. And I wish you the best of luck in everything that you do. You're coaching yoshachess.com. And I know one of these days uh, you are going to win that French Women's Chess Championship. Hopefully, soon enough. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure and honor. If you like what we're doing at US Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate confidence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our US Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. The US Chess Suite of podcasts, including Ladies Night, 
are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all U.S. chess podcasts from One Move at a Time, Cover Stories, and The Chess Underground. Till next time, may every night be ladies' night. Now according to Sockfish, I got it all wrong. After slightly advantage, I had nothing but my dear Capablanco. You tell me 